0: Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice show. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, author, and the originator of the awareness integration theory. And hello to Sean, our director in our studio. This is a show about what matters most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. Today, I will share with you the tip of the week about how to share power and allow others to be powerful around you. I will share with you the latest research from University of Reading about engaged listening techniques such as eye contact, nodding, and using keywords to praise openness helps teenagers when they are admitting bad behavior and share hurt feelings with their parents. So all you parents need to listen to this. I will answer the question of why are um, our relationship transactionals in the Ask Me segment, which I'm really thankful to all of you who send your questions. And then I'm excited to bring you Terry Lenowski. She's an accomplished thought leader whose body of work in evolutionary communication is impactful, and deeply relevant given today's chaos and loneliness in pandemic. She has created the soulful listening approach and made up of five simple, easily repeatable elements to create deeper connections. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast and connect with me through all of the social media, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Um, and I love to hear from you. But first, here's the tip of the week. Hello, I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist and a life coach for the past 30 years. And I'm the originator of the awareness integration therapy. I'd love to be able to support you in any matters of life that shows up for you that you need support. So call me at 818-648-2140. I am available to do online therapy or coaching anyone who's around the world. And you can also join me in my office in San Clemente, California, if you'd like to uh, come to the office. So call me at 818-648-2140 or go to fujan.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And having the opportunity to support you in things that are in your life. And you just want to excel and create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. Here is the tip of the week. Now, there are times in our relationship when we feel powerful. And at times, powerless. Powerless. At the beginning stages of our relationship, we may feel powerful in the way we have someone attracted to us and are willing to do anything for us to be near us, and yet powerless when we are vulnerable and feel attached and hope that they don't leave us. As the relationship moves to the next phase, we might feel powerful in negotiating and getting our way, yet feel powerless when our partner does not budge and we need to give in. We might feel powerful when we care for our mate, yet feel powerless when we need to depend on them to take care of us. It appears that in any healthy relationship, there is an element of power that is experienced, and that experience is like being on a seesaw. Sometimes you're up, and other times you're down. The fun of playing on a seesaw is for each participant to be willing to go up and down and allow the partner to lead at times. The moment that one partner insists on holding to the seesaw by sitting on the ground and not allowing the balance to go up and down again, or for the balance to get created right in the middle, the game is over with resentment. Since the other partner is stuck in the air and is at the mercy of their partner to make all the choices. But a seesaw is can be fun, it can be play, it can be allowing each one of us to have the upper hand and lower hand and go up and go down and play and enjoy time as we go through experiences together. The beauty of being in a healthy relationship is for each partner to feel powerful on their own, in their own world share the power, empower each other, allow their vulnerabilities to be shared, and rely on their partner's power to empower them. For For this interaction to go smooth, partners need to feel safe with each other, knowing that the power that is experienced is not threatening in any manner, knowing that the power is being asserted for the benefit of us, not one over the other. If you're afraid of losing power in your relationship, follow these steps. Access your inner power. Be realistic about your abilities. Be aware of what you can and you cannot control. Focus on what is in your domain of influence or control. That is where you're powerful. Own your power. You don't need to prove it, just own it and live it. Allow your partner to be as powerful as you are. It's much more fun that way, I promise you. Be realistic about their abilities. Don't expect something that they just don't have. Grant yourself and and them to be as great and powerful as you are and can be. That goes with no fear. Be okay with your grandness and be okay with your partner's grandness. Feel proud of you and them. Negotiate and give the gift of compromisation and share with love. For more observational skills and empowerment skills, go to my book, Life Reset, the Awareness Integration Path to Create the Life You Want. Thank you. For all the questions that you send, um, I love it. So uh, the question this week that was sent was: How come our relationships with the concepts of social media um, and time has changed into more of only a transactional relationship versus a heart-to-heart connection? Uh, what happens? How come now everybody that I talk to, they're like, "Well, I don't have time. I got to figure out why would I want to talk to somebody like that." Um, is that person useful? Um, how are they useful for me, and how should I kind of use that relationship for something? And um, it was upsetting for the person who was writing uh, to me, and I wanted to know what has the world come to? Well, I can see that you know, looking at it from a negative uh, place is we don't feel we're uh, connected, or we don't feel that we are. Uh, valued for who we are and maybe we're only being valued for uh what we do and what we can offer people and uh, maybe people feel used or even abused um and um, not necessarily be given uh, the respect and the value that they deserve so um, on the negative aspect of it i can see where this would be an experience that the person will have on the other side, I also want to share that almost all, all uh, relationships are transactional relationships. Uh, there is a give and take. Even when we talk about a parent-child relationship, there's definitely still a give and take. And uh, relationship by nature is a two-way street where people give and receive um, and usually give what they are best at and they're skilled at. And um, they usually connect it to people who can give them what they need. Um, And that's how usually we start with either our friendships, which is a mutual benefit or a mutual space that we're there and experiencing, even if we're part of the transaction is giving each other love. Um, The commodity is still the love, the connection that we have together, the time that we spend, the learning that we get from each other. So you can really see that overall relationships are transactional. Yet, how is it that we can feel the human to human versus human to object, or just that is uh, taking care of one person's need and not necessarily taking both people into account is important to have in any of these relationships. The part that maybe before we used to have a very small group that we, they were our family members, they our neighbors or somebody we worked with. And those are pretty much the only people we were around. And now with the accessibility to social media, to with technology, we have access to so many other people who might be part of our um, connectivity and uh, the group who are there that we need to relate to. So um, has the world come to a place as this um, uh, wonderful uh, woman was saying, and uh, she doesn't like it, you know, the world has really gotten connected in much more in many, many ways. But is it that internally we may not feel connected? And then I will ask, how is it that I have become disconnected with people around me? Have I isolated myself? Have I uh, closed uh, my heart? Have I, um, am I afraid? Am I scared? Um, do I not want to, um, you know, put myself out there and connect with people? Is it that uh, the concept of feeling used or abused is something that I've experienced in my life? Maybe I have been used and abused before and I'm not complete with that. Maybe I don't know how to set boundaries appropriately or don't know how to assess how to, um, you know, spend my time, um, the limited time that I might have into different types of relationships and then what is it that I can agree upon in relationships where I can see that both of us are being fulfilled in this relationship so it's important to see what type of relationships I have and uh, what do I want to create in each one of these relationships what do I want to create with relationship with myself Uh, the time that I have alone? What do I want to create when I am in relatedness with my um, romantic partner, my mate, my husband or wife? Um, What is it that I want to create with my family members, my children, my siblings, my parents, uh, my cousins, um, and then my friends and then people who I know at work or people who I socialize with? Um, Who are the other people who I network with, which is basically just for the matter of Um, you know, work and connecting with each other in the area of career. So if I can see all of these areas and have a defined space of how I can be and create something within that space, then it's much easier to communicate, clarify my relationship and the nature of the relationship with whomever is in my life. And um, when I'm clear, then I can articulate what my needs are and what this relationship can be and negotiate and co-create that relationship with the other person. So the expectations can be much more clear and um, agreed upon. And therefore, um, it could be a space where people can grow together. And if there's um, unfulfilled expectations, maybe they can talk to each other and uh, clarify and, uh, kind of like complete and reconnect, so that this kind of feeling left out, only used and abused when needed, and uh, not not felt like I'm being seen or heard, it, it's gonna be minimized um, in any of those relationships. So I hope that um, you create first a love towards yourself, and then get clear with your intentionality of what it is you want in a relationship, communicate and create it. and uh, be- Be very selective with the amount of time and energy that you have um, in how you're going to share your love, your essence, and who you are, and the gift that you have. Thank you so much for uh, sending me all of your questions. Uh, Send it to me in all of the social media so I can be here for you. Thank you for listening. Here's the latest research. Engaged listening techniques such as eye contact, nodding, and using keywords to praise openness helps teenagers when they admit bad behavior and share hurt feelings with their parents. University of Reading and Haifa researchers asked 1,001 13 to 16 year olds to watch a staged conversation between a parent and a teenager about a difficult situation. With the parent adopting different body language and listening behavior in different versions, the participants, the teenagers who watched the versions where the parent was visibly attentive stated that they would have felt better about themselves as the teenager and would be more likely to open up about their feelings again in the future. This study, the first to look at the quality of listening in isolation from other parenting techniques, revealed that being more engaged while listening made the teenagers feel more authentic and connected with the parent. Dr. Netta Weinstein, associate professor in, the, uh, for, um, in clinical and social psychology at the University of Reading, who co-led the study said, we all know that listening to someone talk about their problems is an effective way of reassuring them and establishing a connection. However, until now, there has been little thought given to the quality of the listening and the difference that makes. The study shows that the parent-teenager relationship quick uh, quietly listening to a teenager while showing them they are valued and appreciated for their honesty has a powerful effect on their willingness to open up. For the study published the Journal of Experimental Child Psychology, a roughly even split of male and female adolescents were recruited with three identifying as another gender. The team found that active listening was equally important across all participants, all genders. The first video conversation scenario portrayed a teenage boy admitting to his mother that he had tried vaping and felt ashamed. And in the second, he tells his mother he was rejected by his peers after refusing to vape and felt hurt. Each video scenario had a version where the parent listened attentively and another where they appeared more distracted and used less eye contact. Dr. Weinstein says, With such a large group of participants, it is reassuring to see that active listening was universally beneficial across these years of adolescence. The study has some important implications for teenage well-being as well. The participants said that the good listening model observed in the videos would lead to better well-being, although they don't know how often uh, the expectations meet reality, but it's clear that active listening is more likely to lead in a good outcome for teenagers than the passive style that they tested over and over again. I think um, I'm glad that this study did that for teenage uh, parenting, uh, because obviously it's one of the toughest relationship that the teen goes through and the parent goes through through the the adolescent times but obviously active listening works with any human being where you're trying to connect and we'll talk more about it later on thank you Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Fujian Zayn, and I am excited to have Terry Lanowski with me. She's an accomplished thought leader whose body of work in um, evolutionary communication is impactful and deeply relevant. Given today's chaos and loneliness pandemic, um Terry had the privilege of participating, Uh, and and, um, in two events held at the White House, showcasing projects which embrace empathy and design thinking. Through this, along with her own loneliness journey and significant professional contributions, she created a soulful listening approach made up of five simple, easily repeatable elements to create deeper connections. Welcome to the show, Terry.
0: I am so thrilled to be here. Dr. Vishon and I am excited for our conversation today.
1: Um, we were just talking, and you know, you t- t- we talked about the loneliness pandemic and you know the journey that you had mm-hmm. gone. And I was just sharing with you that after almost two years, um, I had the opportunity to go to a wedding, and um, this concept of the togetherness and play and dancing, it was like dancing nonstop for about three hours. My body ached and that <laughs> joyful concept of connection and reconnection, you know, just being face-to-face, being in the close vicinity and and um, it kind of like connecting through dance and music. It was just a joy. And I just, I was sharing that with you. And as I was reading your uh, about you, um, it brought that for me again in how much the concept of connection is important. And one of the ways that you're bringing this into the world through your work is through listening and communicating and bringing that connection. So um, share with us um, about you and um, what got you into this way of connecting
0: oh thank you for that that question uh, it's, it's as though my entire life has led to the creation of what i now call soulful listening and what inspired me was becoming aware of the the depth of loneliness and the pain and disconnect that people are experiencing right now. And the the cost to us all is devastating. People are literally dying because they do not feel connected. They feel so isolated and alone. And you just described such a beautiful experience where you connected with people and played. And, and I'm sure that you felt even more alive after that. And there's a reason for that. Our very human nature is designed To thrive when we feel connected and seen and supported by others. And so that is what led me to, you know, really examining my own life and my loneliness journey and to find out really on a deep level what helped me to thrive despite the odds. And it takes me way back to my childhood. And I grew up in a small, country town of Auburn, Nebraska population about 3000 and lived on the second floor of a mansion. And I say second floor because my family had turned the first floor into a bustling restaurant with banging and clanging and late night bar crowds beneath my bedroom every night. And there was a sense of chaos in my experience as a youth. And what I wanted more than anything without even being able to name it, was to be seen and heard by somebody else. That certainly was not happening in my immediate family. However, I was so fortunate that there was one person who did, and that was my grandma Helga. And in her presence, I felt safe and seen and understood. And it was as though the rest of the world had disappeared when we were together. And that became so important countless times throughout my my youth and one one conversation in particular was was critical to the trajectory that my life took and it's after my high school guidance counselor had met with me and and kind of announced his impression of what I should do and he said that I was a small town girl and I would get lost in a big city like Lincoln Nebraska and so I should become a secretary and work for my family's restaurant okay which would have been a death sentence for my spirit and my abilities and fortunately i was able to bounce that lie off of grandma helga and she with grace and poise simply said to me terry look at all i've done without education think of what you can do with it and at that moment the trajectory of my life shifted dramatically and through her emotional support and a, a boatload of student loans i went on to earn a, a master's degree in educational psychology and go on and contribute in some of the ways that you had already mentioned and so when i was looking back i thought what is it that made her so available to me and others uh, that were around her and it it really it really drilled down to the fact that she exercised great self care. And that looked like the type of literature that she read, her social network, her expressing her artistic side, her taking care of herself emotionally by spending quiet time. So when she entered into a conversation, she was coming from a position of overflow. And so you could relax in her presence and really bring forth authenticity. And then she had the wisdom because she had continued to work on herself and the love. When she would smile, it would just light up the room. And so as I was you know, looking at how might I share this gift with others, it really became important to, to underscore the importance of self-care so that we can fill our own cup up and be available to others and to ourselves. And so that is the first element of soulful listening.
1: You talked about this state of overflow. Can you share a little bit about what you mean by this state
0: of overflow? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when just think to, to a time when you have been depleted. You have been, you know, working hard or your, your obligations in family and and other parts of your life have just drained you. At that moment, you are in survival. And so when we're in that position, it's very difficult to be fully present with another person and access all of our greater intelligence to be able to be there for another person and to maybe have their back in a way that is meaningful. Yeah, so that's what I mean by that.
1: So the as I'm hearing you about the overflow is that when you um, when you have taken care of yourself and then you have you come from a place that I'm full. Yes. So therefore, the neediness or the agitation or the anxiety or anything that shows up when we are depleted is not there. So the oh, the state is in state of openness and to receiving from others and then giving fully to the uh, to others, because um, you're complete. It's a sense of wholeness and complete. Yes, sensing that you're when, in your practice and your work. Um, you state that by the state of self care, when you take care of yourself mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, you know, from a, um, like an intellectually when you take care of yourself that way, you are full. You're complete. Yes. And then you can fully give, um, receive and then give. and, And that becomes the overflow.
0: Beautifully said. Beautifully said. And it also allows us to tap into a higher degree of emotional intelligence when we are in that state, which just makes everything richer and makes us more valuable to ourselves and to others. Yes. Yes
1: true because i've really noticed what you're saying i've constantly noticed that that whenever you know i i am exhausted let's say that my tolerance is so low that something that overall i can be in a state of loving receiving and giving mm-hmm. You know, when other people are in their state of agitation or demand or whatever they are, that I can handle this with such a grace. And when I am to completely exhausted, my way of boundary setting becomes very harsh because I just have mm-hmm. no tolerance for it. Right, and therefore, right. it's a pushback. That's like, yes, stop. Yes. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. <laughs> or the other side, like I would also see you, and then say, you know, could you please like do it another way? And I could be graceful about it. So the essence of self care becomes so important, not only for us, but in the interrelation that we have uh, with other people.
0: Yes, yes, and and you kind of segued into the second element of soulful listening, and that is to become fully present and i'm I'm sure we've all been in conversations where you can almost see the cartoon bubble above somebody's head with their laundry list of everything else that they're thinking about and we pick up on that we know that and so um when we become fully present and we take care of ourselves we bring a quality of grace and compassion into every interaction yes and sometimes uh, becoming fully present people may feel like, oh, that's so abstract, what does that even mean? And so I would like for us to do something right now that I do on a a fairly regular basis before entering certainly a high stakes conversation, I'll take three deliberate breaths. So we can do that right now. And we're gonna breathe in and we're gonna hold and we're gonna breathe out. We're gonna do this three times. And while we're doing it, we'll notice the warmth in our heart area. So let's just go ahead and do that right now. Take a breath in, hold, release. One more time. Take a breath in, hold, release out through your mouth. And the third time, take a breath in, hold, and release. And that simple moment that we just shared shifted the energy between us right here, right now. We are more fully present in this moment. And again, when we take care of ourselves and become fully present, we bring that quality of grace into every interaction. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's interesting, as you said that, in order to be fully present, there needs to be a space of self care, because then you won't because you if you if you're depleted, a lot of your part is going to uh, Feed the other side and then you cannot really necessarily be present to the moment and the person, you know, whether it's you're beside nature or your animal or yeah. you just can't be present into that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so uh, when we do give ourselves what we need, you know, our fundamental needs are met. We're, we're not necessarily going to be in that perpetual fight flight mode, which which constricts everything, just everything. And it's damaging to our our entire physiology and mental state and, and so on, but we don't need to dive dive too deeply into that, but it just is a, a great practice to get into. And so then uh, the third element is kind of a hybrid between active listening and empathy. You know, the power of empathy is so, so well documented. And when I was uh, working on the projects that took me to the White House a couple of times. I was uh, coaching teams from across the nation, and we were using human-centered design, which at the core of that is empathy. And I saw how powerful that was, just empathy in itself. However, there were still missing pieces. And so I like the idea of kind of combining the two, active listening and empathy, and if, if the two had a child, it would be this element of soulful listening to me anyway. And it's it really is an all-in kind of listening. Um, the Urban Dictionary describes that type of listening as quantum listening, which you may or may not have uh, heard referred to before. But it really is a, a whole new level of listening with every fiber of your being and where you're picking up on cues and clues that are beyond the words that are being said. Yeah. And when we have that kind of a connected conversation, it's likely we will get insights. Yes. And that kind of leads us into the fourth element which is inspired action. When we when we have the when we have that kind of yes, yes.
1: When you were talking about your grandma though, that's uh, as I was listening to you, um, a lot of what she was doing with you and for you was this third element of empathy and active listening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it the, it's almost like the self care is internal. The becoming fully present is internal. Empathy and active listening is the it's it's out of that internal process. We go yeah. into the space of connecting with another human being. And then bringing them into that element of presence that we are in. And it seems like that's what um, what you were experiencing from your grandmother was this type of empathy and active listening where in, within it, you can find yourself uh, it, as if there is a clean mirror in front of you. And mm. I can see this in my <laughs>
0: Uh, That is so lovely. Uh, That is so lovely, the way that you framed that. And, you know, when when we are engaged in this way, it really opens up a world of possibilities, as opposed to limitations. You know, and it doesn't matter what setting this is in. Uh, And so then the inspired action, when we have you know, the kind of conversation that that we're talking about today, you'll get insights into a person and you may find an area where you might be able to be helpful to them. And this is humanity at its best. You know, when we are there for one another, when we have somebody's back. Um, So let's say it might be in a work setting and some really great idea had been suggested during one of these types of conversations. And maybe you're you're the person that is in a position to elevate that idea. So elevating it, you would do that. No strings attached, you would give the person that offered this brilliant idea credit for it. And just imagine, just imagine what that would do within the context of a relationship. Certainly embed integrity. Allow a person to have more confidence in your interactions. And you could parlay that into personal relationships as well.
1: Yes, in any type of interaction that would be useful, whether this interaction is a family interaction, a mother child, or father child, or an intimate relationship, or business rela- relations, or sales. You know, and but when you're doing, because most of the best, 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 best sales techniques have always been about empathy and active listening. Of yeah. what is it that your customer really wants and needs, and how can you let them know and how that you're listening to their needs and uh, offering mm-hmm. them what they want. So, in any type of human interaction, um, I will even say human to animal interaction. <laughs> <if> I go <laughs> with my dog, and if I, if uh-huh. I present to the you know to um, to him it becomes another level of connection so it really the empathy and the active listening are the core aspect of connecting as we were talking at the beginning of our conversation
0: yes. um,
1: into you know with another being and that connection alleviates the sense of loneliness that you were talking about Because you're obviously, you know, you're among 8 billion people, more than that, around the earth. Even if you wanted to get away and not see one, it's not not even possible. You're definitely going to see another human being. You're not going to end up being lonely no matter what. But the essence of loneliness that you talked about at the beginning, it seems like this uh, level of the empathy and active listening is a a mode that can um, connect and therefore alleviate the sense of loneliness that we have.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And then to bring it on home, the fifth element is the feedback loop. And so why that is so important, I'm sure we've had conversations where we felt heard, the heads are nodding, they're echoing back what you have said. You thought, oh, this is great. And then you never hear anything from that conversation, It, it falls flat. And so the feedback loop, let's say in the example of the work setting, when that idea had been elevated, the person would go back to the individual with with whom they had the conversation, say, "Hey, hey, Jerry, you know, your idea was so great. I've elevated it up. We'll see what happens. You're you're getting a nod if it goes forward. You see, and so then then you can know that okay, I can offer another suggestion, or I can tap into um, a conversation that might be." a little challenging, because I know it will be met with open arms and considered. And I will offer, you know, my creative ideas, because I know they're being acted upon. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being left out in the abyss. Yeah.
1: So when you talk about the elevating somebody else's idea, can you share a little bit by what you mean by using that sentence?
0: Okay, so I'll use a personal work one. I worked with a, with a gentleman whose name is Jerry, and we worked together for over a decade. And we would come together every morning for about five minutes to check in. And although it was not called soulful listening, It was what it was. And so we would check in every day and just say, hey, Jerry, how are things going? What's going on? But he came in uh, this one particular day and he was kind of like a little beat red. And so I could tell (laughs) there was something bothering him. And so we sat down. I took some breaths, tuned in and asked him, what do we need to, to talk about today? And. As it had turned out, we worked for a, a satellite office of a, a very large national organization, and he was being saddled with doing repeated reports that duplicate information was on all of the reports, and he had just about had it. And so I said, okay, what might we do differently? And at that moment, he, there was a you know a, a pause, and, and he came up with a great solution. So then I took that idea because I was in a, position where the idea would be heard by me. And so it went up the chain to the national level, his suggestion was adopted on how to do a process improvement, it was enacted nationwide. And that's what I mean by elevating, he got, you know, a spotlight shine upon <laughs> upon him, which was good for both of us. And every morning, we would come back and connect, go our separate ways, do what we needed to do. But that that anchor point, uh, you know, has very practical use, very practical use. Yes. Does that help?
1: Yes. And what I hear from what you just described is uh, the the process of the connection or the intention of the connection is to move it forward. So you're talking mm-hmm. that you're, you, you come in, into that connection and your active listening is towards seeing what are the ideas there. And then, yeah. At the next level of even if it's a question it's not like you have to come up with the idea of elevation but as long as your contextual aspect is that inquiring listening so that it can open up the concept and the intention of togetherness and uplifting it yes. it's like that's what what i heard from you is um, in, in the essence of uplifting right
0: that that is it yes okay. yes
1: and then the our concept of the feedback loop, as I hear it from you, is uh, not to lose the connection where I will come up with something in the middle, and then if it's not received, then there's no point into it. So I got to make sure that either it's being received, that is, or at least received and then not taken so that I can go move to the next level. If I'm not present, which we we'll go back into your second, yeah, point, yeah. if I'm not fully present, I might come in with a lot of what's going on with me, but that might not be related to you or relevant to you. And then, so therefore the uplifting won't happen if I'm not in tune with you and kind of like, wait to to see how you've received it or how you would like to receive it. And when that shows up as, oh, I want this. Okay, I'll take it. Or no, this doesn't work for me. Then I can go to the next stages, which is again, holding that fully present consistently
0: mm-hmm. in this space. Yes, beautifully said. Uh, and holding the space for possibility and, and and innovation is so needed right now. We really are at a time in our collective history and collective experience that we need the brightest and best within each of us coming forward. The challenges and the the problems are significant enough that there is no time to waste And not helping to lift each other up. Yeah.
1: I really like this, what you're saying about the intention of lifting each other up. And um, uh, part of the loneliness that you were talking about has also shown up with, um, let me say, like a state of anger that's around the world or a state of like, not you, just me. It's not a state of inclusiveness, which is more like, I'm right, and it's you know, I have to say, and no, 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 uh-huh. you're you're bad and wrong, and you gotta just go away. And you kind of see this in the in in the concept of the competition or the society or the uh-huh. politics or the world, and you see a lot of that, which is kind of like separating us. And I uh, really like what you talked about, which is coming together and uplifting each other, because obviously, you know, when when one person has an idea and another person shows up and another person shows up and all of these people with different ideas, which is maybe like their forte as they come in. So I will have a forte, you will have a forte, I will have a natural gift to offer, you will have a natural gift to offer. And when these gifts come in and, you know, kind of like coincide and are in the same center, Mm -hmm. synergetic space, it really does uplift people, ideas, technology, (laughs) a way that we're going to be together. And uh, it really holds a different cooperative stance versus you know, uh, a fighting ground about who's right or who should be, who should run up the course and, um, and win versus kind of like, you know, when, when all we're working together, somehow everybody's winning.
0: Right. And and you pointed out that uh, each of us has our own unique skills and abilities and talents and, and geniuses. And so when you, when you, you have an environment where you're communicating in the way that that we are describing today, it just opens up kind of the the license to go full throttle with that, Mm -hmm. as opposed to constrict and, you know, having a mindset of abundance, as opposed to limitation. And, you know, and it and it builds upon itself, and just opens up uh, avenues that are unforeseen, in the most positive of ways
1: yes so i wanted just to make sure and go over these uh five uh simples uh well, they're not simple but they're um they're very very uh, articulated uh <laughs> s- steps uh, repeatable elements and uh you talked talk about self-care and then mm-hmm. you talked about becoming fully present and then empathy and active listening and then inspired action and then a feedback loop right
0: yes yes and you know in its simplicity i think sometimes you know this has been overlooked on how very powerful it is and it's simple but not always easy because we are really taking responsibility for ourselves and evolving our own life experience and offering that freely to another person yeah
1: And you also talk a lot about the emotional intelligence that comes from uh, taking on these five steps because um, we are taking care of ourselves. Some concept of emotional intelligence is mostly about not being uh, reactive and and taking Mm -hmm. in information, uh, which might even stir up our emotion, being responsible for our emotion, and then knowing how to be um, receptive and then giving um all that is there although our emotions are there and we respect them and through these um five steps um there is a space of taking care of yourself being present in the space that we are with each other and then have a positive intention and then uh uh, create that space with another human being and that also promotes emotional intelligence can you share a little bit about those
0: Right. And with emotional intelligence, sometimes people get confused. and They think, well, if I have a high degree of emotional intelligence, I never feel a negative feeling. And that is not true. And so I would just would encourage um, everybody to kind of expand their vocabulary about what their own emotions are, you know, rather than I'm mad, I'm elated. You know, there are varying degrees in between. And so when we are aware of what our emotional state is, we can we can kind of regulate that. You know, self-regulate that. You know, if you're stepping into a high stakes conversation, you want to be, you know, in tune to where you are at that moment so that you can also hold the space for another person to have their own emotional experience at that moment. Okay, so that's that's one you know kind of a fine distinction And when we are able to realize how our actions and emotions and state affects other people, that's really powerful. So so when we realize, okay, I I have to have this high-stakes conversation. Okay, let's let's just go, let's use a couple. A man and a woman, let's just say that it's a man and a woman and they're married. And they have been, you know, in a space of tension for a while. And they have a high stakes conversation that must occur because life has kicked in and it must occur. So they both come home from a long, exhausting, demanding day and walk through the door. That is not the moment to have a high stakes conversation. And so when we realize, okay, I am like at the edge right now. And so I'm going to just pull back, go and take care of myself. And maybe that would involve like five minutes meditating. Maybe it would involve going out and walking the dog. Maybe it would be going out and looking at this flower that had just bloomed in the garden. And you're going to just inhale the fragrance of it. Whatever it is to kind of help you recalibrate before entering into that conversation is really exercising a high degree of emotional intelligence, real time in real life. And so that would be one example that I think really illustrates something we could all relate to. And so then when you come together, you are holding the space for whatever that conversation will be, as opposed to playing out the script in your head. He's gonna say this, I'm gonna say that, and it's gonna end like this, bam. In that case, I have never observed it to turn out well. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you intended it there's no way that yeah. scenario that you have in your head is going to turn up you might uh, you might actually do the rehearsal of any lines that you've had in your head but unfortunately the other person is not going to follow your script as you have it in your head so it's going to be a very disconnected conversation
0: exactly exactly and so when we enter where we have calmed our nervous system down just a little bit even if you Ratchet it down like 20%. You're better off than when you went in full throttle, uh, furious, already convinced of how it was going to turn out. And so then what may happen is you may get an insight into your partner that you didn't even know about. Yeah. And that is the beauty of we as imperfect human beings connecting with other imperfect human beings. Sometimes our perspective is just just a little bit off of what the other person's reality is. And so when we can you know, kind of harness our own emotions, and I do not mean to disregard your emotions. That is not healthy either. It's uh, being appropriate in how you process them for yourself. And start out small. Try one conversation. Yeah. yeah and just see how um, taking a couple of breaths and entering from a space of openness, of receptivity, and possibility. See how that might shift things ever so slightly.
1: Beautiful. Um, A last minute, is there anything we haven't shared that you really want our audience, listeners, viewers to know about you, about your work, or about themselves?
0: Oh gosh, I could, I could go on for a long time, but let's, let's just kind of recap. Uh, no matter where we are, when we intend to do better, uh, in The Alchemist, it stated so beautifully um, when we strive to become better, everything around us becomes better too. So we have the power to do that. And as I had alluded to, starting small is powerful. One step. Selecting one conversation over the course of this next week where you embed some of the uh, elements of soulful listening. Maybe you're taking your dog out for a walk and you just notice one more thing in nature as you're doing that. See how that fuels you. And then becoming present, taking three breaths. You don't need to announce it to anybody. Just do it. Take three breaths and get in your body and into the conversation and then listen in an evolutionary way and see if you aren't in a position to be helpful to another person and just imagine how that might make you feel and how that ripple effect will really be instrumental in addressing the loneliness epidemic before us right now. And we as human beings can be in a position to help each other lift each other up and make a better world for all of us. Thank you.
1: Beautiful. Terry Lanowski, everyone, please go to soulfullistening.com to find um, her and to find uh, what she's up to. And uh, you're going to be on a TEDx on October, right?
0: Right. October 9th, I'll be, uh, I've been invited to the TEDx stage and I'm very excited about that.
1: Beautiful. Well, it was great uh, listening to you, um, having the soulful listening together and uh, sharing our conversation. And thank you for the time that you've allowed to be with all of us.
0: Thank you for the honor of being here and spending time with you. You're delightful.
1: Thank you. And for everyone who's out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.